0: They patrol the monuments to gridiron legends, but you better get the hell out of the way when they come rolling through. Randy Heights and Ryan Chapman are the Heisman Park Rangers, presented by the Highball Network. Well, Randy, stop me if you've heard this before. The Oklahoma Sooners walked in to Jerry World in Arlington, Texas. They played a little bit of football for about three and a half hours, and when it was all said and done... The confetti was on the field. Sooners were dumping Gatorade on their sideline. And Oklahoma walks away with their sixth straight Big 12 championship in a 27-21 victory over the Iowa State Cyclones.
1: Yeah, Ryan, and what was really crazy about this game to me, it was the most lopsided, not lopsided game You know, you're sitting there and you're watching the game, or at least I was. Watch the first half. Dominant performance. Iowa State starts slowly whittling away in the second half. And even throughout the whole second half, I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. And the only time you kind of got worried just because one play could be the difference was when OU had to settle for a field goal in that last drive. And it was just a six-point game because you're like, all right, all that takes is a DB slipping down and the receiver ends up running wide open for a touchdown. But the way the defensive played, I never worried about the game one time watching it. It was crazy how well the defense played today.
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh, as we find out, so Lincoln Riley talking to the radio telecast before the game, Randy, it kind of mm-hmm. leaks out. He was asked, Hey Lincoln, uh, first time we've talked to you since the all big 12 teams came out not a single member of the defense like did that provide any extra motivation and i'm paraphrasing here but the quote was something along the lines of gosh guys it's really impressive we even made it to this game with the number of people that we had on this all big 12 teams to which i said oh my god oklahoma might win this game by 40 if that's the uh swaggering lincoln riley it was that you know you think back to his first year that big ohio state game on the road where you could tell that he was like it's my first year we're a team that you know they're counting us out because mm-hmm. of are defense they've got nothing to lose and then on the first drive of the game we even get the return of the quarterback cramp play oh chandler that was the comes in i was just like i was sitting here and i'm like wait a minute is that the that's that's the exact same just like series of events we saw in columbus this time it was just on the goal line oh yeah it,
1: and it was hilarious because i look up and i'm like chandler morris is in what the you know it's like what in the world you know and i mean i get he's a In a way, he's a better athlete. He's a better runner than Spencer. But it was just kind of funny to bring it out when you dominated going down the field. I mean, they hadn't struggled with anything, you know, and you pull it out there. But, yeah, you had to like it. That's when you knew everything was coming out. But, you know, Ryan, on top of that, that's where you go and we'll break down the game throughout. But it's kind of a criticism I've seen on social media. I've had a little bit of it, you know, with Lincoln Riley. And he got so conservative in that second half. And you know, it's funny, Ryan. Right? How about this for a theory? The reason I think he's gotten conservative a few times this year, and in fact, Kansas State, one of the losses, I I thought he got a little conservative and that's how Kansas State got back in it. But how about this as a theory for the reason he's gotten conservative? The defense has been bad for so many years, where it's like, we can't keep putting this unit back out here. We've got to find a way for the offense to, And it's almost like, He's not used to having a defense where he knows, "Hey, if you know today we go out on this first drive and we go three and out, our defense has got our back. You know it, it, and I'm ready for Lincoln to start realizing the defense is good, and he can just put the metal, the pedal down and stomp on a team's throat, and that's what I didn't see in the second half today.
0: Yeah, I think that it's really interesting, so this is the, the vibe I've gotten from Lincoln has kind of been something when, if if you remember back to the pre-Bedlam podcast we had, when I theorized, might we see the most conservative version of Mike Gundy we've seen in any Bedlam to date? Because in the back of his head, he thinks we don't have to go for it here. I trust my defense, things like that. I kind of think that's something we've seen out of Lincoln this year, because in the past, like you said, Randy, uh, the OU offense has very rarely used tempo outside of you know, needing to at the end of a half, mainly because their their entire goal is obviously established the run, stuff like that, but to run as much time off the clock to give the defense as much time on the sideline because they've been so bad. The, the thought is, OK, maybe if they're bad and at least fresh, they can, you know, blitz the crap out of everybody and, and maybe force a turnover or something didn't work. But that's kind of the, the mindset he's been. And I think today, in these kind of bigger games, we've seen that Lincoln goes the other way it's still conservative but it is a hey we don't need to risk going forward on fourth and two and give Iowa State any extra momentum we can just punt the football and we just know that Ronnie Perkins Isaiah Thomas Perron Winfrey Nick Benito Josh Allison, all those guys are just going to pin their ears back get after Brock Purdy pretty much do do the best job of containing Brees Hall we've seen all year long and, and I, I think that for that reason Lincoln Riley was okay to do it It, you have to hope that in the next two to three years assuming that offensive line like we know that there's some talent in we can talk about the Anton Harris and Chris Murray situation there as we saw Harrison last two drives Murray on the very last one but also the the talents being recruited I I have to feel like if Lincoln had more confidence in the offensive line or maybe if he had just more veteran quarterback and skill position
1: players we might have seen a little more aggressive play out of him today You want to know the difference, I think, what really happened? That first drive coming out in the second half, third and one, he throws the ball and they drop it. I swear he had flashbacks. Wasn't Iowa State where that even happened in that game in Ames where they dropped the ball and that's where the momentum totally shifted? Yeah. And it's like almost he had flashbacks. Yeah, in Texas. And he almost had flashbacks of like, oh, this is what let the team back in it. Let's be conservative because they came out to start this thing happen and didn't look real conservative. And then all of a sudden, but I'll also say, I'll question this. Why are you throwing the ball on third and one? You're getting five yards a pop. Five yards yeah, a pop. Well, you go score right there, the game is over. I can tell you it's because they were only averaging
0: 2.2 yards a carry there in the second half. Um, Iowa State did go in and make a few adjustments. But, but I still think on third and one, you run it there. Cause we talked about Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the difference. Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the difference. And if you look through, that's true because mm-hmm. Iowa state only had two tackles for loss. And to me, from what we watched out there, you know, that Ramondre Stevenson was hit in the backfield more than just two times. Right. That was the difference between Pledger and McGowan and Stevenson this year. It's that Stevenson can get hit and still truck forward for two, three yards. And the result against a really good defense means instead of being in second and 12, third and 12, you're in second and 10, right. third and 10. You're getting back to the line of scrimmage. So, like, yeah, I, I don't know why you're not lining up there and, and giving Ramondre Stevenson or even Mikey Henderson. The one third down they did convert today, the, the lone one, was a Mikey Henderson handoff, and he fought for yards, zigging and zagging through the defense.
1: Right. but And, you know, I get what you're saying, two and a half yards of carry. This was on the first drive. You didn't know you weren't going to get. Yeah. It. But I I think you're right. And that is the difference with J. Stevenson. I think that's the one thing. Remember my one criticism this year of Seth McGowan early on. The reason I wanted Pledger as the running back until Stevenson got back. He's not patient enough to find the hole. You know, right. and now the great part about Stevenson is he's patient enough. And then like you say, he's strong enough to take that initial hit and go, oh, I took that first hit. Here, I'm going to hit the hole and go at least for three yards. I mean, you know, and that's the difference in this offense. Overall, I mean, I think every game we can find a complaint. But I think if you're an Oklahoma fan and you're out there complaining, which it's crazy that I've seen people upset almost with Riley, and I get the frustration, but I'm like, guys, look at the big picture. You all know, as an Oklahoma fan, they're going to score points with Lincoln Riley's offense. He's going to have a great offense year in and year out. It looks like you've solved the defensive problems. That's what you should be focused on and celebrating. Going, I, I don't even care how we want it, they want it. And it looks like we finished a season, we've played nine games, and the defense has been solved. I'm not saying they're going to be the world beaters, but they're quality defense now.
0: Well, that's the early days of Lincoln Riley. What was the popular thing we heard? Oh, if oh, OU just had an average defense, they could truly compete for national championships. Guess what? This is not an average defense. This is a top 20 defense. And and what was the thing everyone was saying before the year? You know, if it's not this year, I don't know when anyone's going to top Oklahoma. They got a freshman quarterback coming in. They're having to replace CeeDee Lamb. Candy Brooks opts out. Basically, they're bringing back the offensive line and nobody else, everyone else that's coming back, not really expected on that offense to be a contributor. You got Ramondre Stevenson going to be gone for half of the year. All that stuff. Guess what? Oklahoma fought through that. There were the growing pains early. they started one and two and had to go to quadruple overtime in the Cotton Bowl to save their season, which how big of a result does that look like now in <laughs> hindsight? Like, no doubt. And uh, And instead, at the end of the day, Like we said, confetti and Gatorade showers on the Oklahoma sideline in Arlington. And it's one of those things that this this might be the worst iteration of the Lincoln Riley offense we see for the next five or six years, just because of this was the only time that there was really no, um, you know, stopgap, no help at every single position outside the offensive line.
1: Yeah, I mean, because even if Stevenson goes pro, let's look at the big picture. And, and you know, Kennedy Brooks is probably coming back. You know he's going to opt back in next year, so you got a running back there with McGowan with Pledger. I mean, we can talk all about next year. We're going to have all off season to talk about it. But I mean, yeah, that that's a thing. This offense is only going to get better and better. Look at the young guys. Let's take today's game, and I thought it was. This is one thing I did think it was interesting. Theo Weis gets started early on in the game, and you're like, all right. But was it just you? Was it just me, or did you feel like he disappeared after about what the third series? They're like, where's where's Theo? And I don't know if that was something Iowa State started doing, if that was something on Theo's side or if Spencer just didn't notice him because, I mean, Theo started dominant and then it's like he just disappeared the rest of the game. Well, here here's something, too, that I
0: I really feel like is a unique situation that people need to understand. First thing, this is a very good Iowa State defense. Mm -hmm. The the complaints about the All Big Twelve team are not that Iowa State had so many people honored. It's that there were two or three Sooners that were left off that right. list. Iowa State, four first team All Big Twelve players, absolutely deserve. But on top of that, what makes, you know, there are great defenses all across the country. What makes this one unique is that Matt Campbell specifically sought out Heacock to build a defense. Not to play in this conference, not to contend, not to anything. Their one goal was this is a defense built to play against Lincoln Riley. And if you can stop that, they believe you're going to be good enough to win the Big 12 conference. Like How many situations, Randy, across college football... Do you literally have someone come in and say, we don't have a system that we believe in. We're going to recruit the best players. And, and if we execute at the highest level, we're going to win. No, their number one priority is saying we are going to come in and we are going to design a complex defense surrounded around your offense. Like it's and a vi- like only Oklahoma and what Alabama might be the only
1: two people that draw that kind of attention. Clemson, I think often Clemson. Yeah. yeah, those, those three. I, I think you're right. And Ryan, I mean, it's incredible and what they do and that, you know, and I think that's the other thing that goes unnoticed or people won't talk about because you're exactly right. This Iowa State team's a good team, but because they have Iowa State on their helmet and everything, even though they're the number six team in the country right now, according to the college football playoff, it almost gets discounted when it was a close, tough game for Oklahoma. It's like everyone forgot that number six is by their name for a reason. They've only got two losses. And, yeah, one of them was to Louisiana. But if an Oklahoma criticizes Iowa State for losing to Louisiana, look how you started your season right. in a year with no offseason, you know, with the, you know not your normal buildup to the season, no nothing to get you ready. You had a couple of bad games. Guess what? Iowa State had a bad game, and they proved they could get better as that season moved on and they did they're a really good team right now i like them to win i don't care who they're playing in a bowl game. i like them to win their bowl game it's a good team yeah i I, selfishly i would
0: really love to see iowa state and florida match up i think that would be really interesting that would be a lot of trying to
1: screw that up right now
0: yeah florida's doing their best to screw that up but uh As we've got, we're recording Saturday night. We've still got the Tulsa Cincinnati game going on, as well as that Alabama Florida game. But it it looks like you know, and we'll get into this later in the pod. But uh, I think that would be a ton of fun. This OU Texas A&M matchup that looks like it's possibly happening. That one looks like it's going to be fun. But let's jump back here to to the first half. So you kind of mentioned how it was about as dominant as it could be. But then you look up at the scoreboard and it's what, you know, 21 to seven at the end of the first half, if I remember correctly. Yeah. No, 24/7. 24/7. 24 7 24, seven. Yeah. 24, yeah, seven. You're right. They only and scored
1: three in the second half. Anyway.
0: Sorry, yeah. Ahead. And it's just like, I couldn't help but think, yes, the score is a little bit better, but this felt exactly like the first matchup between these two teams. Iowa state um, didn't really play well early. I don't know if it took them time to settle in. Matt Campbell kind of said that, he didn't think it was nerves today because of how the first game went that that playing against OU, it just took him a little bit to settle in. And thankfully, the defense kept a minute long enough that they had a little bit of time to settle in and, and Purdy to settle down. And, and then, you know, once OU's offense, they reeled off those um, quick points there, two of the first three drives. Once that kind of fizzled out, it was a whole lot of the defense coming up with a big stop, handing, handing the Oklahoma offense a short field. And they're ultimately unable to get it going. And a huge reason about that, Randy, was that the OU offense was one of 11 on third downs. And and I just don't know. Uh, it, it's just a struggle to see how this offense with these weapons can go one of 11 on third down. But but that's what happened. And I think you just have to give a ton of credit to the Iowa State defense because they were the reason this game was close. And they were the reason that they were able to kind of mount a little comeback there and, and put this
1: into a game-winning drive situation. No doubt about it. I, I mean, I think that's part of it. And I know Matt Campbell will use, I'm not going to say excuses because I think he's a hell of a coach, but saying their slow start. I think on the other side, not only do you have to give Iowa State credit, I think a lot of it, you have to give credit to Oklahoma. I mean, back to this team has gotten better from their first game. And I think it's easy to watch on film and try to diagnose things as a coach and as a team. But they did a better job with Oklahoma's defensive line, that first matchup. And I think maybe, I'm not going to say they took for granted, but they're like, maybe didn't buy into as much of an effect Ronnie Perkins and how much better the rest of this line has got. And that caught them off guard. That's where I say, I'm going to give a lot of the credit for Iowa State's slow start, especially to the Oklahoma defense for the way they came out. And it was, from the word jump, I mean, no go for Brock Purdy and for the guys. I mean, you mentioned Hall, best game defensively against him. All season long, first time under, held under 90 yards this year. I mean, so you look at that, and I think that was part of it. So I'll give Oklahoma's defense a lot of credit, and I'll give the offense some credit too, because they came out early. Yeah, they were on for 11, but in the first half, there weren't many third downs. <laughs> you yeah. know, they were yeah. like, you know, we're not even going go to go to third down. We're going to finish this early and knock it out. So I think that's a big part of it.
0: Yeah, and this is a, a pretty decent Iowa State offensive line. I think that's that was the difference this year and, and what Iowa State's been in years past, where they're a danger to pop up and beat you, but they're not consistent enough to make it to the Big Twelve Championship game. Anytime you finish with three sacks, five tackles for loss, and three interceptions against, you know, a group that has that kind of offensive line and Brock Purdy, love him, hate him, I hate him, obviously. And he did exactly what we said he would do, which is he's he's tough, he's gritty, but he will throw it straight at you three times. And oh my gosh, like we said, holy crap, maybe you should listen to the podcast a little bit more. Like we said, this OU defense feeling confident all three times it was thrown right at them, they made great athletic plays on the ball. Pulled it down. Trey Brown, iced the game, which shout out Trey Brown. Uh, he just needs to get drafted by the Cowboys and he will be yeah, like, first, team, tweet, first team all NFL. Yes.
1: Yeah. I'm like, just if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm offering him a contract right now. Going, look, you're our number one pick. You're a starting defensive back for your entire career.
0: Yeah, no kidding. But I think like you were saying there to, to your credit, Randy, it, it makes a lot of sense because yes, Ronnie Perkins coming back is obviously going to change things as far as how you can scheme up that front. But Isaiah Thomas said that, you know, he basically said in the pregame on Wednesday, the the pregame press conference, that, yeah, it was game three and he was excited. because He was playing well, but he really didn't know a ton of what he was doing in that game. three. He said that with the more reps, he's become more confident. He's thinking less. So he's playing faster. on Winfrey has has grown leaps and bounds since the third game of the year. One thing we kind of talked about in the aftermath of that first Iowa State game was Nick Benito. We were like, man, he got in the backfield a ton, but just couldn't finish the playoff. If he drags Brees Hall or Brock Purdy down one or two times and hits home on that blitz, then that totally changes things because the, the key against uh, any Brock Purdy offense is to just throw him off kilter. And oh, by the way, Nick Benito, one quarterback hurry, one tackle for loss. Hmm.
1: Hey, there you go. And let me tell you, the the three sacks you're talking about, I felt like watching Purdy today, he was in a trap meet. And what I mean by that, it felt like even though they didn't get home or to him, they were getting pressure on him, and it was different than the pressure even in the first game. It was pressure enough that he knew, I've got to run for my life. And that's why he threw the interceptions. That's why he threw a lot of incompletions, because he couldn't set up to throw, because every time he did, hey, here's a defensive lineman in my face. And Perrion Winfrey... I was about to say, Brock Purdy became freak. real close and intimate with Perrion Winfrey today. If you're an Oklahoma fan, the only thing you are be disappointed about, and who knows if it would make a difference or not, that performance by Winfrey today against a Joe Moore finalist offensive line, if Pro Scouts didn't already have their attention on Perion Winfrey, that's one where they're going, oh, wait, is this guy in Oklahoma? Let me look him up. If Perrion Winfrey
0: stays, I think OU fans might want to send Brock Purdy a thank you card just due to the fact that he pump-faked him like freaking to oblivion twice the the yeah. biggest the biggest one the most <laughs> egregious one was by far should have been a safety and i look i i almost tweeted this and then deleted it because i was like I, I don't know if i even believe that but my initial thought was good on perrion because as soon as he sees brock purdy pulled up like it, instead of trying to follow through maybe taking a rough in the pass i was like okay he was trying to get up and bat the ball down you know, good on him trying to make a play happen. But then I saw it again and again. That's when I like immediately deleted it. Cause I'm like, no, he just got pumped. F-. Like the first angle was like, OK, team guy. Then the other side, I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. He just got pumped fake. He's on roller skates. He is skating around somewhere in the back of the end. So
1: I'm like, if oh. he stays, that'll be the thing. I looked at the heifer and I told her he's dead because I saw the big man rolling through. And then I'm like, oh, because I'm like you. I thought one of two things is happening here. safety where Purdy's going to fumble the ball, and it's going to be a touchdown. Because I right. just knew, I, I actually thought Purdy may not return to the game. I kind of thought, oh, yeah. he's dying right here. And so, yeah, you're right. But Harry on Winfrey, he's had a lot of great games this year. And I've made mention before, he's the first defensive lineman I've seen at Oklahoma draw a double team since maybe Gerald McCoy. And it felt like every time he watched him, he was getting a double team. And that line couldn't control him. He was a man possessed and it's going to be interesting to see as we break down through everything else, what he decides to do. Cause I think he needs another year and I think he comes back another year. And Riley said at best in post game, I believe he could be one of the top linemen in the country. And I think that's right. I just think,
0: and look, I I can't blame a player for making this decision either way. Cause I can see both sides of it. Obviously, if you opt to go to the NFL, you're going to make a ton of money. Um, you know, you run the risk of you come back and you have a so-so year. Look at Chuba Hubbard. You you might mm-hmm. your draft stock might stall. It might go down. You have put another year of wear and tear on your body. Uh, some of these guys are done dealing with the NCAA, all that stuff. I get that, but it might be really compelling too if you can sit everyone down, if you can sit them all down together and say, "Look, guys, we brought you in." to change the culture on this defense specifically. Mission accomplished. But we also brought you in for OU to go from, you know, the top 2% in college football to make that leap to the top 1%. Wouldn't you guys really like to see this out? Can you cuz can you this was so much fun. Can you imagine how fun it's going to be next year when you guys can go out and do this on a Saturday afternoon and then actually party all Saturday night and be the studs, be the stars on this campus, all that stuff that goes along with it. I, I think it's a really compelling case to say, guys, come on, let's finish what we started. We've won six straight Big 12 championships. So let's go for seven. But let's also try and win a national championship and let that be the exclamation point on our career. And I, th- I think that is a very compelling argument. But again, like I'm, I'm
1: not going to fault the guy for going and making literally millions of dollars. No, I'm not either. And, and I will say this, and I think I've said it a few times on the podcast. I, I think there's a reasonable chance Perion Winfrey comes back. And out, I, I think a reasonable chance Perkins comes back. If you're Stevenson, though, you go. You're not going to improve your draft stock that much. You're either a second yeah. or a third rounder. I mean, you're a running back. And, and unless you go become Chris Henry next year, you're not going in the first round. You know, yeah. these other two. You could go from being that second or third rounder to a legit top 10, top 15 draft pick, and that's a difference in millions of dollars. But I'm like you. I'm not going to fault them. I will tell you this. When we break everything down, if you're an Oklahoma fan, if if you're flipping a quarter right now, which one you want to keep, Ronnie Perkins or Perrion Winfrey, you're going Perrion Winfrey. And that's not taking anything away from Perkins. It's just you look at that defensive end spot, You've got guys with Jalen Redman coming back that can fill some roles. I don't know if they have another guy in the middle of that line depth-wise right now. I think Marcus Hicks is going to be really good. But no one that's proven to be able to fill that role.
0: Oh, my God. How did... Sorry, oh, Randy. I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry, sorry to do this. You and I did too. Yeah, no. I'm sorry to do this again, guys. For watching Cincinnati, Tulsa, Tulsa just threw literally what should have been an interception into double coverage. I think both Cincinnati players had their hands on it before the Tulsa wide receiver ripped it out of his hands. Sorry, it's score. Yeah. like that play was so bad that literally the safety and the wide receiver were laughing at each other because they were like, "What the hell just happened?" But and did anyway. you see
1: it? Sorry, Tulsa yeah. should add a 15-yard face mask added onto that reception yeah well wow. like, okay, anyway, sorry, yeah,
0: anyway, yeah, like you said, uh, I think th- here's the thing you have Per on Winfrey, and he's not an Aaron Donald esque talent just because there's only one Aaron Donald, but that's the impact that you're talking mm-hmm. about. Is there are not many guys. This is what made Quinn and Williams so good at Alabama. There are not many guys that have that skill set and can push the pocket from the interior of the defensive line. And I know that it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, stuff like that. But this is why we say that Aaron Donald should probably just be the defensive player of the year in the NFL every year because of the impact he has, the players around him. It's so much easier for them to excel because it's it's such a unique skill set. I do think, though, it'll be really interesting to see what Ronnie Perkins, because this is something that Teddy Lehman's kind of talked about the last couple of weeks on the coaches show. He's talked about on the broadcast, on the pregame like Ronnie Perkins is electric, but for the NFL, he's technically a tweener. So it'll be interesting to see. He, he I think that he could excel in a Khalil macro. I actually think he'd look really good in silver and black <laughs> and, and John Gruden, um, please, in my misery. But, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to have a seven in silver and black. Oh, my God, that would look so cool. Anyway, um, I, I think if you're Alex Grinch or or, or Odom, um, we'll, we'll see how that all goes. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute too yeah we'll talk about that uh whoever's there i think that's another thing that you could say to perkins is look that's gonna be the knock on you that's gonna be the only knock on you you're obviously a great leader Everyone of your teammates just listen to him cool your motor is great you've improved we will work with you to to put you in some standing up you know uh positions yeah exactly we'll we'll use you in some of the ways that you'll be used in the nfl that way um you can have that on tape and it'll remove any reservations i think that's also a compelling thing that you can pitch to ronnie perkins
1: i i fully agree and your point about perry on winfrey as far as how big a difference maker he is i mean in, in a way as great as ronnie perkins was and we knew he was coming into this year perry on winfrey drawing those double teams Made him that much better, you know, and it made Isaiah Thomas that much better. I mean, look how good he is, and a lot of credit to Isaiah for improving and getting the work in, but a lot of that is when you've got a guy drawing two guys to block, makes your your job a lot easier coming off that end, so that's why I always say if you can keep only one of the two, perion's the one you want to keep going into next year, but regardless, great game and 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 Brian, when you look at the second half, one for eleven in this game. You mentioned on third down, that's big, but the positives, back, back to this, the positives on the other side, that defense and the way they played, it seemed like every time – this is where, again, I say this defense may be hard for the coaching staff to get used to it, since they've been punished for the last few years with a defense that didn't do it. Right. Every time they needed a stop, they got the stop. Yeah. I mean – not, I wouldn't say I, – I say every time. I, I know there's one or two, but you know what I mean. In the grand scheme, when it was a critical tipping point in the game and you're like, oh, man, third and 14, this is where the old defense, they give up 14 and the team gets a first down. Heck, this team got a sack or gave up, you know, just stopped on Stonewall right there on the line of scrimmage. That, that, to me, is what was impressive, and that's why you mentioned earlier, and we can talk about potential bowl games here in a minute. I'm ready to see them play in a and I'm yeah. ready to see them play. Heck, if it's Florida, whatever. I, who knows what happens, but I, I know this much. Those two teams, no one should be scared of after watching them this week. Yeah, uh, for sure. And
0: here's the thing, too. Th- this defense got no help in the second half. No help at all. Real quick, here's the drive charts from the Oklahoma offense in the, fr- in the second half. Drive one, three plays, nine yards, One minute, 19 seconds, punt. Drive two, three plays, one yard, 50 seconds, punt. Drive three, big one here, a 25-yard six-play drive. Rolled off three minutes, punt. Punt, minute 41, run off the clock. Punt, a minute 44, run off the clock. The eventual field goal scoring drive. Um, that was a three minute or three minute, five second drive. That was the longest drive of the second half ended in the field goal like they were getting no help. Like we said earlier, you know, in years past, Lincoln tries to run that clock just to get the defense a breather. No, uh, three minutes was the biggest time that they had off the field. Basically, they got that twice the rest of the time. They were over on the sidelines for a minute and back out there. And like you said, sure, that they, they gave up, uh, you know, 20 20. Uh, not 20 points. 14. They gave up 14 points. Sorry, math is hard. looking at the 27 as Tulsa punches it in here. Tie ball game there. But uh, they gave up uh, 14 points in the second half. But like, if you ask any Oklahoma fan, hey, in a Big 12 championship game, the Oklahoma defense is going to give up 21 points. You tell them that three or four years ago, they're like weeping tears of joy, hugging the prophet and telling them, please tell me the bad man is gone. Like Exactly. Yeah. It,
1: it's crazy how far this team has come in just two years. Well, well, and think about it this way, too. We talk about how much better this defense has got. Ryan, what you just talked about there in the second half proves it's not just the first teamers that have gotten better. And what I mean by that is that defense, let's just say, because even last year's defense got better, correct? They were better. But they didn't have the depth. And so they got into some of these games where they played really good, and by the fourth quarter, uh uh-oh, it's getting scary. They're giving up some points. Why? Because That defense was gas. If this would have been two years ago's defense playing in a game like this, they would have given up 35 in the second half if they had to keep going back up on the field that fast, that often, because they would have been worn out. That shows you the depth that has been developed in two years. Think about that. In two years, the depth.
0: Impressive. And I think as a result of it, they were able to do a lot better job On Xavier Hutchinson and Charlie Colar tonight. Now I know if you're looking Mm -hmm. at the stat sheet, uh, Hutchinson went for 114 yards, Colar 92 yards and a touchdown. And you're saying, okay, Ryan, Randy, that's not very good. But really, each of them. Hutchinson's biggest uh, completion was a 42 yarder. That was a missed tackle um, or a broken tackle. I I think that you should give him some credit. Two guys knocked each other off of him. Yeah. Yeah. But, but if you're looking at the averages, Hutchinson 11.4 yards a catch, Kolar 15.3, considering the size mismatch in the secondary and what that has been for the Oklahoma secondary over the past five, six yeah. years, like, again, you pair that with the fact that uh, Brees Hall was contained for just 79 yards. Like, you'll take that every day of the week, and that's a testament to the depth because, like we said, it was a rotating door at corner, nickel, Norwood and Pat Fields, you know, and Larian Turner Yale splitting some time back there at safety. Like this is what Alex Grinch wanted, and this is why he wanted it. He wanted twenty-two guys that he feels confident rolling out there because you are going to play talented offenses. You're going to have physical mismatches that are hard to deal with. It's much easier if you can mitigate that by having fresh legs and guys that can attack the football relentlessly on
1: every play, and they're rewarded with three turnovers. You know, one thing that may help this defense in the long run, even going into next year. It was only one game, but as crazy as it sounds, that Baylor game where some guys were out may have been a blessing in disguise. Robert Barnes, who's an athlete and was a four-star guy when he came out of high school as a safety hasn't really panned out. They've moved into that linebacker spot. Ryan, other than the Baylor game, I hadn't noticed him play pretty much all year long. And then next thing you know, he only, I think played two or three series. It seems like, but he was in there making a couple of plays. It's like, that game, game gave those guys a chance to kind of show, hey, coach, I've improved, and they were rewarded. And I think that's starting to show on this defense the confidence. They know, hey, if I actually go out and do these right things, I may not be the starter. I may not get 30 snaps a game, but I'm going to be in there. I'm going to get some snaps. And you saw a lot of guys like that. Even Buki played, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, good, he's not playing. Played pretty well. He was out there more snaps than I think people thought. But was he ever a factor in the sense of everyone goes, oh, God, there's Buki? No. It's like everything gave guys confidence, I think. And and this is something that I'm really interested in.
0: And as we've kind of been talking through this, it's popped up in my mind. I feel stupid that I haven't asked this before. But, um, you know, the narrative is always that Grinch wants 22 guys because they can stand over there and they can rest up. And that way they can give full effort and stuff, which is true. But I'm also curious how that helps them as they're making adjustments through the game. If mm-hmm. Robert Barnes is out there for a series and, and whether it's Buki or Cradell or Asamo or whoever can just come over for one series on the sideline, get a different view at it, be with the coaches, see what the adjustments look like without having to be in the in the fire, things like that. I wonder how much that helps, too, and I wonder how much that's helped. Like when one bad thing does happen for this defense, we always said, you know, in years past, it was like they'd play great until that first big play, and then the dam would break, and you'd just right. see huge play after huge play. I wonder how that's helped them mentally be able to reset if they can come over for a, a, a possession, not feel like the it, the world is ending that they're getting benched because they just know that rotation's part of it, and they can mentally get right, see the adjustments, and, and fix that so that they can go back in a, a possession later and go back and play at a high level.
1: I would think it's got to be a big thing because I think there's a big difference for these guys too. Like maybe the coach after a big play brings them over there, like you were saying in the past and griping on them, telling them what they did wrong or what they need to do to correct it, you know, but then they have to go back out there on the field. As soon as that next series, I'm like you, I it's got to be a big thing where, okay, this guy sets out that next series and he's by coach and whichever it's the DB or whoever you know, Manning, whoever's talking to them, but they're able to sit there and go, all right, see right there? That's what I meant. You need to undercut here. It, it they, they no longer have to wait to the film session on Monday to correct some of these things with actually showing them what's going on. They can do it there on the field. And two minutes later, the guy's back in making the right play. I, I think it's got to be a big difference, Ryan. I mean, This team has had so many opportunities in the past, but like you say, they never got blitzkrieg, the defense. You haven't seen that. Knock on wood, you're done seeing that at Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, before we move on to some of the post-game shenanigans, college football playoff talk, potential bowl games, all that stuff, there is one man that we must talk about. Oh, boy. Let's go back. Three Big 12 championships ago. OU Texas, the rematch. Mm -hmm. Ruffin McNeil is the interim defensive coordinator. He calls the corner blitz heard around the world. Trey Brown surprises Sam Ellinger, hits him with that safety, which effectively put the game out of reach. Last season, Trey Brown, again, running basically 90 yards to track down The Baylor player, a touchdown-saving tackle, which put the game into overtime so that Trey Brown and the Sooners could go on and push it to five straight Big 12 championships. And today, the Sooners up six. Purdy and Iowa State get the ball back with two minutes and one second on the clock and a timeout. They're moving down the field pretty well. Get another face mask to help them out. And then, lo and behold, Nick Benito with a little delayed rush out of the spy position, which I thought was pretty interesting how they were spying Purdy all game. Brock Purdy throws a duck, and Trey Brown goes up, makes an athletic play on the ball. Another Big 12 championship ceiling play. I, what more can you say about Trey Brown, a guy that's been maligned ever since he was thrust into a starting role early in his career, but he he's played really well this year. He, he
1: really has, and I thought he's played pretty well his last two years, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's given up some big plays, but I think that's because, hey, this they just went and picked on whoever was guarding their big guy. And unfortunately, Trey's a little undersized and he always drew the best matchup. And you gotta give him credit. People rip him all the time, and I've always felt sorry for Trey, but the guy's a fighter and just keeps going. And today was proof of that. He ended up with what, two interceptions today? Two? Just just one day. I think they all got like spread the, around. Norwood okay. got one. That's Field right.
0: Got one. And then Trey Brown got one. But Trey That's also right, yeah. had a really, really big pass breakup, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, and Trey played that interception, the one-handed thing. And if you don't think he's Mr. Big 12 title game, I can't say his name. I'll let you say it. You probably can say it better than me. The defensive end for the Houston Texans, former Texas Longhorn, who was on that game, team three years ago. God, I if I, I can go back and look at it. anyway he tweeted out Trey Brown Mr. Big 12 right i'm sure he's in his nightmares you yeah. know and and that's the thing i mean it's going he's going to go down as probably one of the most maligned celebrated players in Oklahoma history we talking about brecken no 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 okay. he's with the Houston Texans uh, okay i Ash- see oh man now you're going to do that to me i can't think of his name now my he's bad got, my bad He's got a, it's a foreign name, you know, not like John Smith or anything like that. I know that sounds bad. I don't mean it bad, but you know what I'm saying? I'll look it up here in a minute, or if you can look it up. But yeah, he was tweeting out a couple of things. And I, I kind of laughed too, because I'm like, oh, that can't be good for Tom Herman. Because he also bragged on Oklahoma a little bit about dominating the Big 12. And I'm like, well, oh, Tom Herman, there's another shot across the bow. But still, Trey Brown... I give it up to him. The kid, I think he's going to be a guy, to be honest. He's undersized, but I think he's going to have a shot to find a roster if he gets to the right team as a free agent, be that special teams guy, because that's another thing, Ryan. Forget just the defensive side. Today, Trey Brown twice, twice set Oklahoma offense up in short fields yeah. when they need it at most.
0: And I it's mean, a minute.
1: A minute. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah, tweeting but, out about Trey Brown today. It was incredible.
0: Yeah, the kick return game, too. It was a total flip from what happened the first time um, these mm-hmm. two teams met as Trey Brown consistently, like you said, set Oklahoma up in short yardage situations. But, Randy, if you want to talk the biggest blow from Tom Herman this weekend, it wasn't the fact, she that know, you won another Big 12 championship. It wasn't the fact that he had former players praising the Sooners. It was the fact that OU got more extra free publicity as Texas high school playoffs being played on the field while Oklahoma and Iowa State are sprayed all over the stadium, in the end zones, on the concourse, all of that. That is the biggest L that Tom Herman took this week.
1: No doubt. And I believe if you actually flip over – To Fox Sports Oklahoma right now, if there's a game still going on, it must be over. Uh, They were even playing this afternoon on that same field. So, yeah, Tom Herman, you know, if you're him, it's probably like you feel like you're out somewhere and you're being just held and somebody's rapidly kicking you in the nuts over and over and over again. Because not only was it signing day and, yeah, they got kids, but you basically get your ass handed to you on signing day. You've yeah. got your fan base just like where are we at with this? You know, I don't know how many tweets, and this is from some loyal Texas fans that I follow on Twitter. They're even like, "I'm done with this. This is ridiculous." I don't know how many tweets were like, "A and M, you know, is a potential playoff team. Oklahoma wins their six ten, six Big Twelve title, but we're satisfied with where we're at." You know, yeah. it's like they're content. Yeah, they're content. This is not good. Not good at all for him.
0: Well, and it's just some of those things, too, that before we get into bowl season and stuff like that, to to put a bow on the Big 12 championship game specifically. We've said it all year, and I know it's cliche. But it's hard to think over the next like you like this Oklahoma team to repeat again next year because. Iowa state's going to lose a lot of that talent. And while you have faith in that coaching staff, Iowa state isn't to the level yet where they can just immediately reload. Mm -hmm. So Iowa state's you'd think they take a little half step back. Oklahoma state. You don't really feel like they're contending. They're going to be losing a lot of stuff like that. Texas is is a dumpster fire. K state looks good, I guess, but we haven't seen them. They need to take that Iowa state, that step that Iowa state took this year, which is to take that step forward forward all year long and be consistently great. Like I, I don't see anyone that's going to sniff Oklahoma next season. So you're saying seven, maybe it's that next year when, when Caleb Williams is projected to come in and you've got a, a freshman quarterback again. But by that time, that's another whole cycle of this Alex Grinch defense. Even if it's not Alex Grinch, a whole cycle of improved defense, high level talent, Lincoln Riley recruiting at an even higher level in the offense. Like it's hard to think, that this streak's not going to go to eight, nine,
1: maybe ten in a row. Well, and I'm with you, and I think that's why I th- I swear to God, when we talk about the all-Big 12 team, because it was a farce that nobody from OU was on the first team, and I'll say this on the Oklahoma State side. It well, was a farce first team under defense. their second, or first-team defense, sorry. Yeah. And it was a farce that no Oklahoma State guys were on the first-team defense secondary. You know. For sure. So, But I almost looked at that because of exactly what you're saying. Since it was the coaches that vote on this, you know, this is almost them going, dude, we didn't do it this year. They're back in the Big 12. We're not giving them these members right now into the first. This might be the last year we can almost justify not putting anyone on first team, you know, all Big 12 defense because, yeah, right. I mean, six, seven, eight years, nine years, because at this point in time at the level Oklahoma's recruiting, to the level everyone else is recruiting in this conference and I'm throwing Texas in this too the gap is getting wider and wider it it's hard to forget that
0: or you know you might not realize Oklahoma's not been the best recruiting team in this conference the last since Texas has been you know right. um even when Texas is down they are still technically by the rankings out recruiting Oklahoma things like that that has changed that mm-hmm. has changed, and uh, that it, it it's hard to see that it's going to change soon, the, the way that this is going for the Sooners.
1: Yeah, and I think it is only going to get better. I mean, let's not forget on this recruiting class, and not to break into recruiting, but, I mean, Kamar Wheaton, from everything I hear, and no one knows too much because he doesn't talk a lot, he's going to Oklahoma. I mean... <laughs> That's a running back that's going to be added into the fold for next year, for the next right. couple of years. Ruben Owens put Oklahoma in as top 10. Now, granted, there's Oklahoma State and some other schools in the conference in there. Some people have said he's the best running back they've seen out of the high school ranks. These are the type of kids Oklahoma's getting on the offense, and the defensive side is starting to get in on some kids. So it's going to be really interesting to follow along here, you know, how much Oklahoma does and what Texas and what Oklahoma State and what Kansas State and Iowa State can do to kind of try to change that for Oklahoma for the way in the Big Twelve because that's the difference right now.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, Randy, let's go into it. Obviously, like like we've said, we're recording here Saturday night. We just wanted to get this to you asap as possible. um I know, Randy, we could have waited till tomorrow so that we had a firm opponent, know exactly where the Sooners are headed, but I'm here to do some projecting. Um, okay. Not enough things went Oklahoma's way today, and it was like a big laundry list. Ohio State, obviously they win behind 330
1: yards. Holy crap, Trey Sermon. (laughs) (laughs) He saved it all up for one game. And he saved Ohio State's bacon. Justin Fields, no Heisman winner this year.
0: I mean, holy moly. Well, Trey Sermon said, hold my beer, boys. I've been here before. I understand what it takes to to get to the college football You guys haven't been to the
1: playoff in a while. Let me help you.
0: Yeah, let, let me put that in. So uh, Alabama in Clemson ticket punched. Um, I think Ohio State punched their ticket. Clemson did the ACC a service, I think, too, Randy. I, I think Clemson laying off the gas there in the second half helped the Irish out. I I, I think I think Notre Dame is still going to go ahead and get that nod because they there went over Clemson's even without Trevor Lawrence is better than anything anyone else in the country did. that That's not Alabama or Ohio State. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, I fully agree with you, but I will say this: the committee's got all these different things, but I think, I think the reason why, the main reason, you want the main reason, I think they go in in another year. I like, let's say Oklahoma had one loss; they just lost Iowa State in event. Uh Notre Dame's out. Yeah, but, I mean, but I think Ryan, real fast, I think the main reason that Notre Dame stays in, they don't want a And M in there. No one wants Anem in there because they got prison raped by Alabama the first time around, and nothing was on the line. So only imagine they're going to make Anum pick up the bar of soap a thousand times off the shower floor if they I mean, in a playoff when it matters to Nick Saban in Alabama, yeah, Jimbo Fisher, shut your stupid mouth and go keep cheating, because you're not one of the best teams. You can't compete with everyone. You should have lost to LSU two weeks ago. That's horrible. Right. I mean, his campaign. But unfortunately, I think the bad part is I don't think Notre Dame's one of the top four teams. I think there's I think there's two teams again this year. If you want to know the truth. That's yeah. the sad part. Well, Ohio, I, mean, I mean, it's Clemson and Alabama. Frankly, most like people don't hear this, but
0: most years of the college football playoff, there's been two very clear teams. Mm-hmm. And they haven't always been the one and two coming into it. But I guarantee you if we still had the BCS system where the poll rankings uh, like people did them differently because they knew that they mattered in selecting it as opposed to the committee. Like I guarantee that that most years, more years than not, the teams that uh, ended up in the national championship game would have been the two teams that were sent by the BCS because because uh, of how people move their rankings around. So um, but yeah, so I, for me, Oklahoma will either play a and or Florida in the Cotton Bowl um now randy i i probably should know this i'm not 100 percent sure it, I'm, is the cotton bowl locked into having to take
1: a&m or can they take florida even if i, I um, think they well see now normally i guess the cotton Bowl is taking over the sugar bowl spot i think they have to take florida but that's a florida doesn't i mean hell they they lost to a horrible lsu team last week right well, and, they but, could stay in the New York New Year six contention, I guess, and somebody they could go somewhere else. But I think they have to take Florida. I
0: believe. Well, because I, I know that I've just seen, um, I've seen Texas AM projected enough times that I, that I think they don't have to. Because technically, yeah, like even though they're not Texas A&M's not in the conference championship game, they're technically the number two team in the SEC. Even if Florida hadn't lost that game to LSU and they'd only lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game, and AM beats them in the regular season. So, uh, there's there's some weird stuff to happen. Here's what I hope happens. The two matchups I really want to see is OU and m and the Cotton Bowl. And then however it takes in the New Year's six, um, I guess it'd have to be the Peach Bowl, I guess, to, to make it work is to see. I would like to see Iowa State play Florida. I think that Iowa State defense and the Florida offense would just be a really fun matchup
1: to watch. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think you're right. I think it would be good for the Big 12 because I think that's two wins potentially for the Big 12
0: yeah I mean so. but,
1: and I'll say this on the Florida side I'll give them the benefit of the doubt the one reason I say Iowa State. I think Florida may have a few guys opt out and not go play in the bowl game, yeah, you know and and that would help Iowa state that that's why I like that, but i I don't know i mean i I want to see the a m game. I think that's the game we'll get because also just okay, there's limited tickets, right, so limited travel. Anyway, they want to make sure they sell their 20,000, 20, how many ever they get to sell right. for the Cotton Bowl. They're going to want A&M. They're going to want Oklahoma. Yeah. Because I, you don't even need to travel with the alumni bases in those cities.
0: I think they'd want that in a normal year. I know that senior fans yeah. don't want to think about it, but that uh, Johnny Manziel uh, Cotton Bowl was a very well attended game. And everyone, basically, like I was at that game, basically everyone I talked to was just, it was an up and back thing. Everyone knew that they could make it down. Head back, and it, it was a good trip mm-hmm. for
1: everyone, yeah so i I think that's the game and and it'll be interesting to see um but, but you know the college football playoff i I think those four are in there, and I honestly don't think no again I don't think Notre Dame deserves to be there I don't care because I think the argument you can make if you want to argue against it, I think the committee didn't have enough things go right, but I also think. There is enough debate out there, and probably what would have been the most interesting debate of all today, two things that could have happened, and everything else that did happen continue to go this way. Would have been if OU would have continued doing what they were doing to Iowa State in the first half and won like 42-14, to you know, or something. Right. And if Cincinnati would have steamrolled Tulsa, and Cincinnati just won 27-24, it would have been hard, I think, at that point to go... Yeah, Notre Dame, you still deserve to go over Cincinnati here, you know, who's undefeated in a solid conference. This would have been the year to get a non power five school into the playoff. But unfortunately, it's not going to work out. And unfortunately, we're going to have two blowouts in the first round. Yeah. I mean, uh that's the sad part.
0: Well, and I wasn't watching. because so obviously I was covering OU basketball today, which uh, OU beat Houston Baptist. We're not going to continue on past that. Big game with Texas Tech, though, on Tuesday. We'll hit yeah. that next pod in the midweek. Um, That'll be a lot of fun. But uh, so I was at OU basketball, so I didn't watch. But I saw on Twitter that uh, Kirk Herbstreet, during the call of that Clemson-Notre Dame game, in the first half especially, is basically just like, yeah, if this is what we're going to get, OU should be the fourth team and not uh, Notre Dame.
1: And, and I'm telling you what, I, I think... Again, almost no chance. But it, like, if I, if you were a fly on the wall and AM fans will get mad at me for this, and I really don't care, they can go back to their trailer park and disconnect their one phone they're all sharing. But <laughs> Tech Sags runs on dial up, baby. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the thing with them, I, I honestly think if you're a fly on the wall, I will almost bet you. Oklahoma comes up more in the discussion. If there's any discussion about, you know, like they're saying, hey, who do we put in instead of Notre Dame if we do? I guarantee you Oklahoma comes up more than AM back to the fact they would have to match up with Alabama. And I'm not saying Oklahoma wouldn't get run off the field by Alabama. I think Alabama is clear cut, the best team in the country right now. I say that they're up six points on Florida, who is hot garbage as well. When we saw what they did last week, but. Right. Yeah, I mean, still, I just think that that's that's what's going to be interesting. And I think Oklahoma finishes probably six. They won't move A&M or anything. And it's going to be a matchup at number five versus number six in the Cotton Bowl. And really, Ryan, I know I we were doing this. I don't know if you saw the breaking news. What day is the Cotton Bowl scheduled for right now? Um, I'm not sure. I
0: think it was. I feel like I saw the 30th.
1: Was it the 30th? OK, because I hadn't looked at the date for that, and I was kind of wondering, I'm like, when, when is that scheduled? Because Yeah, because uh, December 3rd is okay. Yeah. Okay, because the Rose Bowl has been moved. The Rose Bowl is now the
0: Cotton Bowl times two.
1: Right, and so I saw that, and I'm like, wait a minute, what day is the Cotton Bowl on? I started thinking, I'm like, we're going to have a doubleheader in Jerry World? Which when would you don't be have awesome. 100,000 fans, you could have, I guess, but... And the and the Rose Bowl has to play it at, at noon. Sorry, those are the rules. <laughs> the <laughs> Cotton yeah, Bowl exactly. has to go first. I think it's funny for the Rose Bowl. We suck at Rose Bowl. I hate that bowl game. We've got to have Pac-10, Big 12. Great. Take your two garbage conferences and go have fun.
0: Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. But uh, And I think that, too, going back to the Cotton Bowl thing, if, if OU and AM end up 5-6 and six, and Notre Dame gets curb stomped in, in the opening round, look, you always would rather be in the playoff than not be in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Just the free recruiting, getting your name blasted over 100%. every single thing. Like, it's always worth it. But that number four team getting blasted, and if you can go in and beat A&M, like I think that we would both give Oklahoma a great shot at doing, yeah. you go in, you finish on a high, and you have a ton of people saying Oklahoma got robbed and should have been in the playoff. Look at how Notre Dame played, all that stuff. That's not a bad consolation.
1: No, I mean, you'd rather be in the playoff. You're right. But at least if you can do that, it's just still a great... And here's the thing. It's a great recruiting tool. Well, especially going are you head-to-head. Sure and that you wanna, that's what I'm saying. It's like, are you sure yeah. you want to go play with him? Did you just see how we knocked their dick in the dirt last week? I think you'd rather come play with us. Yeah. I mean, being honest, that that's the one thing I look at. And that's the reason I'm like, I'm one because I hate those people that you go... I'm tired of getting beat. I don't want to go to the playoffs. I'd rather go to a bowl game and win. I hate those people. I really do. I think they should be taken out and flogged in old school medieval times, you know, where you see those movies where they've got the head and the arms and they're just staked out in public square. That's what those fans should have done to them. I mean, because I'm just like, you're a loser and you want your son probably to get a trophy even if he got his ass kicked 55 to nothing. That's what you are. Everyone deserves a trophy.
0: That's what we yeah. do.
1: That's what we do I, I already told the heifer. It said if we have a kid. I don't and, care if they
0: win, they're not getting any trophies. That's no, right.
1: No, I already told him. I said, I'll tell my kid this too. I'm like, if you get your butt kicked, everyone loses. There's nothing wrong with losing. But if they give you a trophy, you throw it back in their face. Leave it
0: on because the back. Because no, no,
1: yeah, you exactly. don't you don't earn something for losing. Exactly. That, that's, that's why the world's got so many losers in it now. That's they why think they, they deserve a trophy.
0: That's why they print the t-shirts, Randy. You, you go to the tournament, you have the t-shirt, that's fine.
1: You don't take the trophy home. Yeah. And you know what happens to the t-shirts for the team that loses that they had made? Comes your gym shirt, and it's done in a year. No, they're in a third world country. <laughs> yeah, those t- they're t-shirts. They're helping clothe people. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Well, wow, I could go on a rant about this forever because I really hate that. It just drives me nuts. But I would love to see Oklahoma a because I because I think the venom that would be in that game is a little bit undersold from the fan bases and I even think from the two teams. And if you don't think Jimbo would take this seriously and if you don't think Lincoln Riley is going to look at this as an opportunity, I think we're all crazy.
0: Oh, yeah. It's obviously the fan bases do not like each other. But th- this is one of those things that, that, like we've said, since AM went to the SEC, the, the offshoot is that it's opened up Southern Texas to the SEC recruiting grounds, things like that. More guys, not and. and and the funny thing is, a is not the one benefiting. The people that are benefiting yeah. are Alabama, LSU, Georgia. Exactly. That, that's what AM is. But uh, yeah, in that Houston area, especially, that's, that's the one stronghold. The one place in Texas, Oklahoma, just hasn't really been able to truly penetrate on a consistent basis is that Houston pipeline. And I mean, uh, like we're just talking numbers here. Houston, one of the largest cities in the country. Obviously, that is going to be a place that produces a ton of great talent, as I think Florida can finally uh, sleep yeah. quickly. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that big time, big time. It's what you want for recruiting, all that stuff. Everyone will take that one very seriously. And uh, oh, a little gator chomping from the from the Alabama Crimson Tide.
1: Interesting. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. Interesting. So not kind of happen to a nicer bunch of fans.
0: Yeah. No kidding, but yeah, it, it's, I think it, it'll be one of those bowl games that you oftentimes wonder, you know, Hey, is the team going to be super motivated stuff like that? This will be the first time we've seen since the trend of opt outs. Oh, you go into a non-playoff game where it's obvious that people aren't opting out. So that'll be something to look through. Um, I don't know if anyone will opt out or not, but it's just the first time that we'll be able to see it. So that'll be something interesting to talk about, but that Oklahoma A&M matchup will always be a ton of fun.
1: No, I I think it'll be a lot of fun and fingers crossed that that's what happens. We'll know by noon tomorrow, you know, where Oklahoma's going, who they're playing, and when the game will be. I you know, it, it it should be a lot of fun and I'm ready for it. I'm kinda it's been a fun year, but it was such an odd year, you know, Ryan. I'm kinda glad it's winding down. Just cause I feel like the sooner we wind this season down and it's not a negative the quicker we get to next year where we'll we need back. Yeah. And Kyle Trask is crying like a bitch.
0: Also, this is the most Nick Saban thing. They just won the SEC championship. He looks pretty happy, but he's just standing there with his cup of Gatorade. And he's just like, yeah, I mean, we do this every year. You know, sometimes we're not here, but you know, good job to us. I'll say some nice things about Florida. And we're going to the college football playoff. And just, it looks like he's just standing. And there like, we're I know it's a cup of water and everything. It. Yeah, it it looks like it's a cup of coffee just sitting there just like another day at the like it, this looks like the interview he gives during their spring game when ESPN
1: covers it. Exactly. No, you're right. But that that's and I will say I I think that's what you saw at Clemson today. That's what you saw at Oklahoma. These coaches at least at this level that's how relaxed they are. They're like, "Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do." Yeah, exactly. we were stressed a little bit, you know what? It it's what we do. By the way, can I can I just say one other thing about the SEC right now? It was a nice Big 12 championship game we just watched. I was going to say, final score, what was it, 52-46? Yeah. God, I, I believe the Big 12 got ripped for this for years.
0: No, this is going to be heralded as one of the greatest college football games, an all-time great championship game, like all, all, yeah, all of that. Iowa, St-
1: up, Iowa State saying. was 27-21, right?
0: Yeah. But, yeah, anyway, just, I, just thought I'd check and see. I will say, though, while on one hand... um. This SEC championship game is not going to get dinged for the for the bad defense. I do think that the way that Oklahoma and Iowa State play today is I tweeted this kind of in the aftermath of the post game stuff, too, that this is exactly what the Big 12 won. And you got two teams out there that played a style of football that is going to be very – like any recruit watching that game, obviously if they're an offensive recruit, they're going to love what they see at Oklahoma. They're going to think, hey, that's a lot of fun to play in. But both the Oklahoma defense and the Iowa State defense doing two different things. Oklahoma's defense, though, it's by no means soft or anything like that, but it doesn't hit as hard as the Iowa State defense. But it has that speed out, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. It's just a fun defense to play from that standpoint of getting able to just attack, attack, attack that Iowa State defense is heavy hitting. Yes, 27-21, but the narrative tomorrow about OU and Iowa State's not going to be bad offense, like occasionally. like There's not going to be detractors like that. It's going to be these were two really good teams with really good defenses, hard-fought game, kind of a cagey matchup, the the stuff that we used to talk about with the SEC. So that is the positive, that while people aren't going to ding this SEC championship game, at least that the, the big 12 has put some respect on their name the last two years with both the, the Baylor OU matchup and the Iowa state one that, that we saw today.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I think that will be what's in inter- I mean, exactly what happen I I just find it funny though. When these sec teams now are playing big 12 style offenses, they're not getting dinged for it. It's almost like, Oh, that's the way football is now.
0: Yeah, it's just, it, it's oh, hard. It's really uh, hard as a
1: defense. Hey, I thought like- they they want to start having
0: a discussion about using points per possession in the total defense. Yeah. Rankings. It's going to be weird how that works. Jackasses.
1: I swear. Anyway. All right, Randy. I'm going to move now. to the SCC conference, but there's still a bunch of hillbillies. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. Oh. How many people can I offend tonight? I don't know. I'm going to roll. Oh. You got the
0: southeast, so you're good there. Want to talk about Nebraska? I feel like that's a no. well we could go back to. No.
1: <laughs> no only one dumpster fire a night
0: uh Oregon, who was not the pac-12 north or south winner is the pac-12 champion that can
1: be fun hey usc opted out you think that was clay helton going i might keep my job so yeah. i don't he's want like, to play again he's like we don't want to play one more time we
0: need to i need to keep this thing under wraps yeah that's the training stat
1: i lost one game one game
0: can you tell some players they're positive even though they're not
1: so that we just have the numbers they're just like oh. sure i guess Okay, I'm derailing the podcast because I want to rip the Big Ten again. All right, I am sick. I I, I understand, and I had no pro- I I had a problem with Ohio State going to the Big Ten game because it was not what the rules were to start the season that everyone was playing with. Okay, should have right. done that. Oh, they have COVID issues this week. Supposed to be out twenty one days. Hmm, Ryan Day says the Big Ten's looking into changing that stipulation. Dude, Weird. Weird how that works out. <laughs> have a set of testicles, Commissioner. No, we're not going to do that. It's a 21-day rule that we all agreed on from day one. Oh, my God. just it, It's almost the reason I was rooting against Ohio State today. Not the right. biggest reason. We're doing all this for the safety of the players. Obviously. Obviously.
0: Yeah. OK, and but, we yeah. can
1: get on real changes on the next podcast, too, because I've got one after watching the game today. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Well, if you've made it this long,
0: real quick, just something that, <laughs> something. Hey, by the way, if you happen to go to at Radio's Riot on Twitter, you might find, you know, some some weird stuff. I've, you know, joined on as a contributor to SI Sooners. My, my little article today was about those third down conversions and why the Sooners had so much trouble on third down so if you want to read that that's on my twitter page or at uh, uh all underscore sooners on twitter um should have a lot of fun content coming out because uh hitting the ground running it's bowl season we've already got a ton of stuff working there so that's a ton of fun at rj heights 1077 i'm sure that will be your go-to account for bagging texas AM fans over the next two weeks or florida I know, if i can get
1: some other schools not to want to talk to me
0: yeah, we'll see we'll, we'll see how that goes. The uh the Texas AMS is gonna be calling you real quick.
1: <laughs> He's over five foot, so probably not
0: Hey, has anyone checked in on that guy from Wide Right and Light, by the way?
1: The no. State site. Yeah, no, I haven't need to. Okay. For those of
0: you that if you're here, you you probably, you know, listen to the franchise, but if you don't, uh he came on the triple M ranch from three to six with uh Sam Mays and Chisholm Holland was very confident uh, I wonder what happened with him today. I'll, maybe yeah. that's, that'll be my overnight homework. I'll, I'll come back maybe. next week and see
1: if he's still alive. I know Jared Stansberry, who covers Iowa State, I believe, for rivals. called Munch. I can't even say the punter's last name. I'm horrible. Munchow. Munchow. Yeah. Commented on his acting ability. And Munchow said, no, I was fine. Like tweeted back to him after the game. I'm like, yeah. oh, nice dig. All right. Yeah. Body bags, body bags everywhere. I think this OU team is very
0: comfortable on Twitter because they've, you know, when you've been backing it up for six years, I mean, you can clap back with anything you want. Exactly. All right. Sorry. I have derailed it all tonight. It's good to be the champs. It's good to be the king. Like we said, at RJ Heights 1077, at... Radio is Ryan. Follow us there on Twitter. Share this with your friends. Share this with your Texas AM friends. I'm sure they'll love the podcast. They love to infiltrate enemy lines. They can uh, all gather around the one computer they own. Exactly. Exactly. Dial up. Dial up. Dial up. All right. Until next time, for Randy Heights. I'm Ryan Chad. We're your Heisman Park Rangers. Oklahoma, six-time Big 12 champs in a row. 50 conference titles overall. Winning conference titles. This is just what they do, Randy. I think that people just need to accept that. And uh, like we said, Cotton Bowl bound, most likely, and most likely against A&M. Maybe some Florida action. Either way, should be a really fun game. We'll have all that for you on Wednesday. OE Basketball hits the hardwood. They re-enter Big 12 play, bringing in a Texas Tech team to the Lloyd Noble Center. That's on Tuesday night, so we'll have a recap from that as well. Busy, busy week. We keep it locked in right here all the way through bowl season. we have the Heisman Park Rangers. Peace.